With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Table podcast where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Tottenham game this coming Sunday at Anfield. Joining us once again, we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and now regular with us on the cop table. So, been quite a bit of a, a long break, hasn't it, Jay? Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I know we do have to suffer and endure these international breaks, don't we? But you know, earlier on in the season, fair enough. But now when you're at the crucial moment of the season where, obviously, we're, we're going for a couple of trophies, aren't we now? You know, going for the title and in the Champions League quarter-final, it's just totally inconvenient, isn't it, really? And, you know, I get somehow they have to fit in, like, these qualifying games internationally, but it's just frustrating, really, when, you know, all we're really concerned about is the domestic football and, obviously, Liverpool and, it's just frustrating that some of the players have had to go away on international duty now and you know, thankfully like we haven't got any injuries to date and let's hope it remains the same or focused on this game against Spurs on Sunday. So, right Jay, what we're going to talk about first, we're going to look back to the, the Fulham game where we've come away with a, a 2-1 victory. Pretty much um, wasn't the best of games, was it? We had we had a mistake by uh, mix-up between Alisson and Van Dijk to to let Fulham back into the game late on, Ryan Babble with a with the tap in, wasn't it? So um, to come away with the three points there was very important, wasn't it? And Milner um, provided that with the with his calm, coolly slotted penalty in um, in the I think it was the eighty fifth, eighty sixth minute, wasn't it? So just give us your thoughts on the on the performance um, against Fulham, please, Jay. Well, I think going into the game, you were looking at it. I think in Fulham are the worst team in the Premier League in terms of conceding goals. They're in the relegation zone as well, second from bottom, got no hope of surviving. And 
Liverpool have, have, I think they conceded 68 goals in 30 games and Liverpool had scored 68 goals in 30, 30 games going into the game. So you would expect the Liverpool to basically score quite a few goals in the game really because let's get one thing straight. Fulham are not a very good side and they're certainly getting relegated this season and going to be a championship team next year. And it's, Football, though, I mean, sometimes it can, you can, you can have a, a potential banana skin against these type of teams, though. I mean, don't forget Liverpool had just had a Champions League game in Europe in the midweek against Bayern Munich. Fantastic results. But as we know from previous experiences, you know, Champions League games, it always has a knock-on effect then, doesn't it? It's the Premier League game at the weekend. It's it's not easy, especially when they're travelling that's involved because it's mental fatigue really in the Champions League games and then you've got like a you know, a Premier League game as well and it's a bit different if it's at Anfield, but when you've got the travelling involved as well, going to Fulham, I think that certainly played a part in it. And it was a little bit of a leveller really going into the game and it it certainly helped Fulham a little bit. But when you analyse the game, Liverpool were totally dominant, really. We controlled the games, didn't we? And Fulham didn't really create that many opportunities until parts of the second half, really, when Liverpool were trying to get the second goal to, to kill the game off. And in the first half, you know, we, we sort of like in cruise control, really. And, you know, we, we, very good goal. Kept up his, his fantastic form, didn't he? Sadio Mane scored him once again. His 11th goal in 11 games. He's on a remarkable run, you know, fantastic purple patch that he's having, and he's been superb this season for me. He's been our, our most dangerous attacking player. He's been the most consistent attacking player. You know, last season it was all about Mo Salah. This season, Sadio Mane's outshone him a little bit for me. Um, I know that's easy to say now because Salah, ironically, has only scored one in ten. You know, in, in all that time, and Mane's got eleven and eleven. So. You know, with someone stepped up in Mo's absence, really, where he's been suffering a little bit of confidence in front of goal and a little bit of composure. And, you know, Sadio Mane's been the man that's took the, you know, he's took that mantle, really, hasn't he? And he's gone and scored goals for fun, really. And it's been, we haven't really missed Mo's input in that sense. But, you know, the thing that with Mo Salah, he, he takes two defenders out for me all the time. And he's still playing to a, to a, a good enough level. It's just, it's, that's not really showing it in terms of goal, the, the the input that he's having in terms of goals. But you know, I'm sure that'll come between now and May. I've got high hopes that you know his form will turn around a little bit. But you know, Sadio Mane's been great, and he, he opened the scoring for us at Craven Cottage. And again, second half, you know, pushing for the second goal, very frustrating that we never got it, and then you leave yourself open, and don't you? You're susceptible then to. You know, if a mistake happens or, you know, if they, they bounce up an, an opportunity to score one goal, aren't they? And, you know, we had a little warning sign near the goal disallowed, didn't he? And then, you know, not long after that, he then equalised. And it was just a calamity of errors, really. I mean, people were saying it was Van Dijk's fault. People were saying it was Alisson's fault. People were saying James Milner. I mean, just an accumulation of mistakes, wasn't it? I mean, Milner's sliced clearance. And then I don't really think Van Dijk said there was... Bad to tell you the truth. I thought Alisson should just really have come and just went right through it and cleared it and took the man out as well. You, you know, referees tend to give um, goalkeepers the benefit of the doubt more times than not. And I reckon if he would have cleared the ball and would have took Babel as well, I don't think he would have given the penalty away to tell you the truth. So I think hesitation really by Alisson and, and it's probably... Uh, to me, I'd have blamed Milner originally and then Alisson because he basically bottled the challenge with Babel. 
and then just you could tell he didn't really want to score. You could just see it was written all over his face. Really, he just felt uncomfortable with doing it, which is mad, really, isn't it? I mean, I know he was an ex Liverpool player and stuff, and obviously he got friends at the club still, but he just you could sense that he felt uncomfortable with scoring it. Um, didn't celebrate it at all, which is you know fair play to him, respect issue. But I think in the heart of heart, he knows himself. Well, I'm not going to recover this season. So if it would have affected Liverpool's title challenge, then you know I don't think that he would have had a few questions to ask. But you know, as it as it turns out, Liverpool it didn't matter anyway because Liverpool went down the other end and foolish goalkeeping really by that Rico grabbing Sadio Mane blatant penalty, and then um, you know James Milner redeemed himself, didn't he? Stepped up and coolly slotted penalty went down the middle really, didn't he? And only puts them in the corner like the goalkeeper made his mind up for them and went the other way and you know went down the middle and you got the three points and when you get to this stage of the season now it is more about the three points rather than the performances isn't it I mean you go on saying they're all cup finals and really I don't like that term no more because you're not really normally that good in cup finals under Klopp are we but I do think that you know every single game has got massive importance now I said it on previous podcasts Liverpool have to win every single game between now and May we've got seven left now we've got to win every single one because you know yeah, we're hoping and praying that Manchester City slip up, but there's no guarantees that a very good side. I've always said it, they're a freak. 100 points last season. They're on course to get 98 points this season if they win every game between now and May, the eight remaining games that they've got. And who really would back against them doing it? All Liverpool can do is just keep plugging away, plugging away, winning our games, applying the pressure on them, putting it on their toes, forcing them into a situation where a pressure situation where they know they can't afford to slip up. So we've done our job, you know, Liverpool, yeah, you know, we might have played the game more, but it was very important to go into the international break, be on top of the table and let them stew on it for two weeks. That's the only thing Liverpool could do. And yeah, I know they've got a game in hand and that game in hand is, is the Manchester Derby away at Old Trafford to Manchester United. So it, it's a tough one for them and Liverpool just got to keep on winning games and that's exactly what we've done at Craven Cottage got the three points and now we have to move on yeah and like you said then Jay about Manchester City with um, with the international break as well they've had time to to get a few players back haven't he Fernandinho and uh, De Bruyne I think one uh, another one who, who's had a little spell on the sidelines but also for Liverpool we've had um, Gomez and, and Oxley Chamberlain who, who've been out for a while and could possibly um, return after the international break, albeit not not to the first team, maybe into the squad um, and stuff like that. So, how important is it going to be for for us to get these these players back into the squad? Um, Dejan Lovren's another one who sat out recently. So, uh, just give us your thoughts on the on the players returning, please, Jay. It's obviously a bonus, isn't it, to have extra bodies available for selection in terms of. Maybe not necessarily starting the games, but certainly like on the bench. I, I just honestly can't see Oxley Chamberlain starting a game, you know, between now and the end of the season purely because he's missed 12 months of football and every single game is vitally important now. So, you know, your players have got to be 100% fit. And, and I know people will say, well, how's he meant to get fit if he's not getting games? But we can't afford to play a player who's missed a game, who hasn't played football for a year. It's just simply ridiculous to think, think that we can do it. I mean, it's quite clear it's going to take him a lot of time to get it back up to speed and, you know, 20 minutes here, there and everywhere maybe for like, say, four or five games this season. 
that's the most I can see us getting out of Oxlade Chamberlain. In terms of the other players, I mean, Dejan Lovren's been on the bench, hasn't he, a little bit recently, so he's probably, you know, close to a start and start and birth, if you like. But Joel, Joel Matip's done quite well in his absence and Joe Gomez's absence. And with Joe Gomez, he's been out for about three or four months himself, hasn't he? So again, it's another situation where he's just got to bide his time, you know. And you miss that amount of, uh, you know, months of football. It's not easy to be in- integrated back into the team. Certainly not to just go straight back into the team anyway. So, you know, I think Klopp, he's very meticulous and he, he's very cautious at times as well with players. So I, I just can't see them starting for, for, for a while, to be honest. I mean, Joe Gomez is obviously a little bit further, further ahead of Oxley Chamberlain in terms of the pecking order of getting a start. But, I just think, you know, you're probably looking at another three or four games before Joe Gomez gets gets to start. I mean, he could make the bench, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be expecting much from him just yet. OK, spot on, Jay. Yeah, and going to talk a little bit about the, the international break now. Obviously, we've had um, Jeannie Wijnaldum and Virgil van Dijk away with, with the Dutch side. We've had um, Henderson away with England, only played a, a bit part last night as a, as a substitute. It looked like he, he, he could have missed that game through injury, but he, he seems to have um, recovered from that to, to take his place on the bench and, and come on. Um, also, Alisson and Firmino are out with Brazil tonight, aren't they, playing against the Czech Republic. So um, just gives a, a little bit of a, a rundown on, on the Liverpool players and the and how they've been doing in the international break, please, Jay. Yeah, if you start with England and um, Trent pulled out, didn't he? Because he, he had a little bit of an injury, a little bit of an issue the last couple of games. So he pulled out very wise from the young boy um, to rest up at Melwood and get seen to so he's ready for the, the, the title assault that we've got between now and May. Um, Jordan Henderson sort of like divided opinion quite a bit because he missed Liverpool's last game because he went off here injured against Bayern Munich in the Champions League so he missed the Fulham game and still went away with England and then played the full 90 minutes against the Czech Republic on Friday night and you know, many fans were, were a little bit disappointed in the fact that he missed the Liverpool game when he played for England but the way football is nowadays and the sports science teams I mean it's quite clear that the injury probably just wasn't right for him to play against Fulham and he was okay to play for England it's as simple as that and you know, there's no hidden agenda here. It is what it is. And as I said, you know, you can't just say to your international teams, frustratingly, you can't turn around to them and say, well, you know, look, my player's not fit, so they're not going to go. You're forced to, to send the players to be checked over and to be assessed by the national teams. And that's pretty much what's, what's happened with Jordan Henderson. And then he's been deemed available to play the game. And yeah, he's played the full match. And then he's meant to have had a niggle again. He ended up being on the bench for the game on Monday night against Montenegro and came off the bench for the cameo role towards the end. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, you just got to deal with it. I mean, Jordan Henderson's being England captain at times as well. So he's an integral part of the national setup for England. And, and whether you like it or not, that's just the way it is. And it's just, I think it just got people's backs up, though, the fact that he missed the Liverpool game. But most Liverpool fans don't want him to start for us anyway. So, you know, I think people are just, you know, picking bones out of a situation that there's no real need to, in my opinion. Um, in terms of Holland with Van Dijk and Wijnaldum, they had a good start, didn't they? Both of them got on the score. She thinks Belarus, Wijnaldum scored in the first half and Van Dijk scored in the second half. And then 
had that massive game against Germany, didn't he? And I thought in the first half, I mean, we all know how fantastic Virgil van Dijk is, but I thought in the first half, him and Delight, the other Delight, whatever his name is, in the other centre half, uh, Leroy Sané and Gnabry give them absolute nightmares in the first half. They couldn't cope with the, the movements. I mean, people were going on about Gnabry's goal, saying that he basically he done Van Dijk. I mean, I disagree a little bit. I thought I don't think Van Dijk expected them to do what he did do. And but when someone smashes one in the top corner from the edge of the box, I mean, you can't really blame the centre half for that too much, can you? Maybe he could have done a little bit better, but I mean, come on, it was a fantastic goal, but. It wasn't really just that that I thought Van Dijk struggled with. It was the movement in behind him from Sané and Gnabry in the whole of that first half. He was all over the place, really, and so was the other centre-half delete. And, you know, he, he was made to look ordinary at times, which is very surprising because he, he, we very rarely see it, do we, in a red shirt. He's, he's a colossal, isn't he? He's a Rolls-Royce, as we always say that term, being the best player in the Premier League this year. And, you know, he, he was a little bit ropey at times in that first half, I've got to say, but... At the end of the day, as long as he's, if he's going to put in a half, half poor performance, then I'd rather he's done in, in, in a Dutch shirt than a Liverpool shirt. So it's a, it's a pretty much irrelevant, really, isn't it? He recovered in the second half and I thought he performed well second half and Holland as a, as a unit were very good and he got back to, to level peg and didn't he 2-2, but only to, to concede a late, well, a last minute winner really to the Germans and he lost the game 3-2, but very entertaining game and, you know, they'll be frustrated, but you know, it's it's a massive game, isn't it? Holland against Germany, and I don't think they'd be too disheartened coming back to Melwood, you know, for this massive game we've got on Sunday. But yeah, you know, that was the, that was the Dutch in, in uh, the international break, and then obviously Brazil had a very disappointing result against Panama, who England smashed at the World Cup, didn't he? And not so long ago in the summer, and he drew one-one. For me, you know, played up front in that game, but you know, now. Never got on the score sheet, and um, Brazil are also playing on Tuesday. Where at the moment when we're doing this now, Firmino's actually scored, hasn't he, for, for Brazil? So hopefully that'll give him a little bit of confidence because he hasn't scored really enough goals this season for Liverpool, has he? So hopefully getting a boost there, scoring for his country, and mm-hmm. he'll bring it back to us and maybe get one on Sunday against Spurs. <laughs> Great stuff, Jay. Yeah, and just before we look forward to the to the Spurs game this this Sunday, um, just one or two other things to to ask you about um, the the links with with players moving out of the club. Obviously, Sadio Mane's been linked now with Real Madrid. There was links back in the summer when Zidane um, before Zidane left, should I say, and then he's come back and, and the links have arose again. Um, and also, Naby Keita has been. Being loosely linked with a move away, I don't think there's too much in that one myself. But he has been linked with um, with a possible move back to the Bundesliga. So just give us your thoughts on uh, Mane and Cater's situation, please, Jay. Well, with Mane, it, I think it was quite evident, wasn't it, that Zidane really likes him when he's Real Madrid manager the first time around. He was flirting with him and we were a little bit concerned because all these, all the Liverpool players were signing these new bumper contracts like for me, you know, Salah. And Sadio Mane seemed to be digging his heels in a little bit, wasn't he? And, you know, we, he hadn't signed one and the deal had been on the table since the summer and you were just wondering what was going on really. But Zidane left the Real Madrid job and everything seemed okay and Mane signed his new deal. And all of a sudden, because Real Madrid have had a poor 
decision, haven't they? Um, out the Champions League at the last, you know, the last 16 stage. They've the third or fourth in La Liga. They've had a really poor campaign and they sacked the manager and Zinedine Zazan's rocked back up there now and he's manager again. And, you know, obviously he's gone there and he's spoken to the board, the hierarchy there, and he said, listen, you know, the proof's in the pudding. This need, this, this team needs an injection of extra quality and, you know, the names that they're being linked with. You know, Eden Hazard looks like he's destined to go there from Chelsea. Also Mbappe. Um, there's a few more that have been linked to them and, and all of a sudden now Sadio Mane's name's thrown back in the hat isn't it because he's someone that Zidane clearly admires and it's got to be a little bit of a concern because you know people will say why would he want to go to Real Madrid Liverpool or this and Liverpool or that but let's get into the real world here when Barcelona and Real Madrid come calling for you then nine times out of ten the player wants to go doesn't he it's as simple as that I mean you don't have to look at Coutinho, really. He really wanted to go to Barcelona. You can look back to Suarez. He wanted to go to Barcelona. Mascherano wanted to go to Barcelona. Michael Owen wanted to go to Real Madrid. Steve McManaman, Real Madrid. And, and even Xabi Alonso, where you know, he ended up Real Madrid. So it's, it is a concern, no matter what anyone says about, oh, why would anyone, like Klopp won't let him go and blah, blah. But Coutinho ended up getting his own way. Player power in football, scandalous nowadays, we all know that. When a player wants to go nine times out of ten, he ends up getting his move. And I hope Mane's not like that, but you'd have to look at it and say, well, if they're serious and they do come calling for them in the summer, I know he signed a new contract recently, but we all know they're not worth the, the paper they're written on. Look at Coutinho's situation. Look at Luis Suarez's situation. It doesn't matter. If they come in with a big amount of money, and it would have to be a big amount of money because he's had a fantastic season. As I said before, he's been better than Mo Salah this season. Been our best attacking player. I mean, Virgil van Dijk's been our best player. But other than that, you probably have to say Sadio man. He's been superb, hasn't he? Most consistent attacking player that we've had this season. He scored 20 goals this season. He got that the whole of last season. He's got like what? A minimum of nine games, maybe 11 games more more this season to go. So he's going to clearly add to that tally. And, you know, it's, it all depends on how serious Zidane is and how serious Real Madrid are because it's very rare that you'll see players turning them giant clubs down. And I know Liverpool are a massive club as well. We got to the Champions League final last year. We could very well get to the Champions League final again this year. But we need to prove that we're winners. We haven't won nothing under Klopp. As much as I love Klopp and I think he's a great manager, the facts are we've won nothing. There's massive progress there. It's all for everyone to see. It's, it's clear to see, clear as day. But until you start you know, getting them medals around the players' necks and the trophies in, in the trophy cabinet, you know, it's we're early men, aren't we? And, and players, at the end of the day, they're not bothered if they're in 100 grand a week or 150 grand a week or 200 grand a week. Yeah, it's great, healthy bank balance. But a lot of them want to win, want to win trophies and want to win medals. And you know, this is what we need to be doing. And, and I really, genuinely believe the only way if if they're the serious and they want money, regardless of money, whether it's 100 million, 120 million, 150 million, whatever it may be, regardless of anything else, if they want them and they in the league or haven't won the Champions League this season, then how can you stand in the last play? It's very different, isn't it? It's like Coutinho, who was fantastic for the two or three years. 
And Liverpool, what if we win? What if we win when he was a Liverpool player? It's a bit like you go back to when Torres was a Liverpool player. We were fantastic. Gerard and Torres. Combination, we had some fantastic players. Mascherano, Alonso, Pepe Reina in goal. Carragher and Ipia. We were were brilliant. But we didn't win nothing. You know what I mean? When Torres was there, he didn't get a winner's medal. So, it's just absolutely infuriating, isn't it, that you know, we have built such a very good team now, but the problem is when you, the big boys like Barcelona and Real Madrid come calling for your players, it's very difficult to keep hold of them. I just hope and pray that they're not serious about getting them and they have got other options and, you know, they'll spend such a lot of money on Mbappe maybe and they might get, you know, spend 80, 90 million on Eden Hazard and they won't they'll run out of money if you like to, to buy Mane because Liverpool will price them out of it I just hope Mane doesn't kick up a fuss and do some of the things that certain players have done in the past with the feigned injury or I've got a back injury or not reported to training or like you know what was the other one um, Mascherano refused to play allegedly didn't he against Manchester City that time as well a few years ago so Certain things like that, just let's hope Mane isn't one of them players that does that type of thing to us because be a little bit distasteful, won't it? But, you know, like I say, it's very difficult because if Liverpool are not winning trophies, then it's hard to stand in these players' way. You know, if, if a big club like Real Madrid or Barcelona come in for them, that's the harsh fact of reality that we've got to deal with as fans and, and as a club in general. Um, in terms of Naby Keita, it's strange one isn't it because Liverpool waited a whole year Jürgen Klopp waited a whole year to sign this lad and he's £52 million pounds, so he's a lot of money he's our third biggest buy and we're seven months into his Liverpool career and you've got to say he's been very very disappointing very disappointing and you know should we give up on him I don't know I I I'd say no because I know there's a player in there but the problem is you just don't know whether or not Klopp has looked at things he sees him every day in training and he doesn't play him he doesn't start him that often and he's had a few niggling injuries and what have you and when he's had a couple of good games he's been out the side and out the side a lot but Klopp sees him day in day out in training doesn't he and, and I, I think some, I think it might be a little bit of a personality issue that he's got he seems a bit timid when you see him in the Bundesliga. He, he seems to be like a an all-action midfield player, someone who liked the tackle, gets stuck in, got sent off a few times, seemed quite volatile. He seems very timid in the Premier League and in Liverpool shirt. It's just absolutely weird. It's a weird situation. I mean, you can tell he's got ability, but he just hasn't had any luck and he hasn't had a proper run in the team. But when people are saying like, oh, He'll come good, he'll come good. There's no guarantees of that because he might just might not settle in the country, in the club, in the environment, in the league. So there's no guarantees of it. And, and Klopp, it's only, only Klopp will know what's in his mind and whether or not he thinks will know. I think there's a gem in there that are just, it's just taking time to unearth. And people are saying, well, people are writing Fabinho off after a couple of months. Yeah, but that was after three months and all of a sudden he's been brilliant. Um, People saying Andy Robertson didn't play much until December time again, only three or four months, and then he, then he was brilliant. Oxlade Chamberlain was a little bit different because with Oxlade Chamberlain, he had Coutinho, so he wasn't really bought to be a first team player, Oxlade Chamberlain. 
But then when Coutinho left, bang, he got his opportunity and he was superb until he got his injury against Roma in April time last year. So they were slightly different because they, they didn't take as long to adapt. Seven months, nearly a full season, that's how long it's been for Keita and he simply hasn't adapted at all well. Um, I think he's got one assist all season in 25 games, no goal. And I don't think he was particularly bored for his goals and his assists really. Maybe assists a little bit. But when you, when your output is one, is basically one assist in 25 games and he plays as a little bit of a more advanced midfield player, if you like, he doesn't play as a hitter. He plays like where he can link the play with the forwards. And that, yeah, I take on board his positions being changed and altered a little bit to what he was in the Bundesliga. He just hasn't adapted very well at all. And, you know, I'm not slating the lads and not criticising them too much because it isn't easy. He struggled with the language barrier, hasn't he? He really had Sadio Mane there as, as, as a buffer, as a go-between, really, you know, for the rest of the, the team, his, his teammates, his colleagues. And he's clearly struggled and it's taken time. And he still had a really good age to give him a, a prolonged opportunity in another season. Season and, and you know, get another pre-season under his belt and see how he is next season. But I honestly believe people who are saying that, oh, he's going to be brilliant for us, he'll come good, he's this, he's that. I think they're burying their head in the sand a little bit because there isn't major signs that, that it'll ever happen. And there isn't any guarantees in life. And, and hopefully, hopefully he will come good. Hopefully he'll be a star player for us next season. But people have to be real, realistic about it. There's not really many signs that it's going to happen. So, like I say, Klopp's going to know more than most, isn't he? He's the man that's going to make this decision, make this call, because he courted them for such a long time. And it would seem a little bit unfair to give up on him so soon. But, you know, we'll just have to see, because, let's be perfectly honest, you know, Klopp's no mug, and he knows that if someone is going to come and rescue him, if you like, from the Bundesliga and pay, say, Borussia Dortmund or Bayern Munich, turn around and say, look, we'll give you 40 million, 50 million for him. Klopp might just think, well, let's cut our losses and, you know, let the lad move on and go back to a league where he's comfortable in and the environment where he knows a little bit, he knows the country and, and he's more settled and it just, you write it off as just one of them things that didn't work out because we can't complain too much, can we, if that is the case because, Jürgen Klopp has been fantastic in the transfer market. You know, basically all of the signs have been great, apart from the, the cheap ones of Marco Grudic, which he still could have a future, but you know, it hasn't really worked out for him. He's had a few low moves away. Um, and obviously, Loris' carry has been an absolute disaster. But when you spend four and a half million on a goalie, you get what you pay for most of the time in life, don't you? And that's exactly what we got, bag of shite. But, um, you know, to tell you the truth, it's... It's very rare that Klopp makes a mistake in the transfer market. So, even like Wijnaldum, 25 million, what a sign. And he's been in great this season, majority of the season. Um, Sadio Mane, 34 million. Mo Salah, 36 million. Virgil van Dijk, 75 million pound bargain. I mean, how can you call someone 75 million pounds a bargain? But if Liverpool, if someone was to offer money for him now, you'd want double, at least. Um, so, Alisson, fantastic goalkeeper. You know, kept 17 clean sheets. So, Ian Clough very rarely gets it wrong in the transfer market, does he? Michael Edwards, the normally spot on. But, you know, every now and then you might get one wrong and, and maybe that is the case with Navigator, I don't know. Hopefully not. 
hopefully he will get another season. Um, I'd like to see him get another year, but the decision's going to fall at you know Klopp's feet, and if he decides that you know it's time to move him on and, and get someone else in to do the job that he was brought to do, then so be it. We'll, we'll see in the summer. Spot on. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed that uh, Sadio Mane does um, want to stay with us and um, see out the next uh, few years at least uh, in a red shirt. So, yeah, looking forward towards the, the game at Anfield on Sunday, Jay. Massive game against Spurs coming up. Um, Spurs had a little bit of a dip in form recently, um, but they've had this, I think it's a 21-day break in between playing um, their last fixture and, and this game on, on Sunday. So um, just tell us a little bit about your thoughts on, on the break that Spurs have and uh, how it will affect them going into this game, please. Well, Liverpool always seem to struggle, don't they, after after a break, whether it be an international break or whether it's because they've been out of the domestic cup. Um, I don't know. I mean... It's a bit of a concern because we don't tend to do well. But then again, Spurs have had an even longer gap, haven't they? As there's been about three weeks, hasn't it? Because they were also out of the FA Cup and they didn't have a, a league game because of it either. You know, because the team that they were meant to play were were obviously in um, in the FA Cup themselves. So they've had a massive break. But what it's enabled Spurs to do is to get a few injured players back now. Um, Obviously, Deli Ali and Kane uh, are back playing, and now they played in both games for England as well. So that's helped them a little bit. But you can't help but feel it's going to be a little. You'd probably imagine they're going to be a little bit rusty, a little bit disjoint, a bit disjointed as well. Um, well, like, then again, Liverpool, Liverpool as well. You'd imagine Liverpool will be, and um, the only time Liverpool have actually played quite well after a break, ironically, was against Spurs back in September time when we played them at Wembley. And we beat them 2-1 and Liverpool, I mean, 2-1 flattered Spurs. Liverpool could have put four or five past them that day at Wembley. Fantastic performance. One of our best away performances of the season, to be honest with you. Um, and hopefully we're looking for more of the same when we play them this Sunday. If Liverpool can bounce back from this international break and hopefully perform to similar levels, we should be fine. Um, but it's a very difficult game. I mean, Spurs are the quality sides. I mean, I I think they were the best team that came to Anfield last season, in my opinion. That second half, I mean, you control the game for long periods. We couldn't get out of our own half. It was, you know, they, they were on top big, big time, really. And Liverpool had scored in the first half. We were trying to hold on to a lead. And basically, when Yama come on and it's a world, he'll never hit one like that again in his life in the top corner. And Liverpool thought they'd won it at the end. Mo Salah, a bit of magic, fantastic goal. And then they got a dubious penalty, didn't they? And, Harry Kane equalised and we threw the game to one. It was very frustrating, wasn't it? But I, I do think probably the balance of the game, Spurs probably did, they were good for the point. They were very good side last season at Anfield. What I will say is, one player that used to be fantastic for them and, and basically bossed the midfield was Moussa Dembele. And he's gone now, he's moved on to pastures new. So I don't think they're quite as strong in the middle of the park as what they were back to that game when we played the Man on Field last season. So I'm hopeful that Liverpool might have a little bit of a little bit over and over on them in going into this game. I mean they've got very dangerous players. Obviously Harry Kane's a goal machine, isn't he? We all know that. Um Son on his day is superb. But 
he seems to do better when Ali Kane's not in the team. Now, when Ali Kane was injured, Son took that, took a, the, got the ball by the horns, really, and scored, I think, 10 in 10. Purple patch a little bit like Mane is now. He was, he was fantastic, really. Um, but they've got creative players. I mean, Christian Eriksen's a very good footballer, isn't he? And, you know, I just don't think they're quite as strong in the middle of the park, though, this season. I mean, Eric Dyer, I've never been a fan of his. I think he's a bit of a donkey, a bit of a yard dog, to be honest. But he did go off in, injured for England, didn't he, in the Friday night game? He needs to check whether or not he'll be available. I'm not too sure. I don't know what's going on with Harry Winks because it, was he included in the England squad? I'm not sure whether he's got an injury or not. But he's not a bad little footballer, but you know he's he's, he's young. You know I don't think he's he's the greatest. He's certainly no Musa Dembele anyway. They've got Musa Sissoko who, for me, he struggled to adapt when he first went to Spurs, but he, he's had a, an improved season. But he's still flat to receive. I still don't think he's great. Um, so I think Liverpool should win the game but again you know as I say Spurs have got players that can hurt yeah, and they're quite good defensively aren't they really to tell you the truth you know we've got some good centre-halves Aldo and Eldon Vertonghen and, um, Lloris is a decent goalkeeper as well World Cup winning goalkeeper he's prone to the odd mistake or two though but I think he is a very good goalkeeper though and so it's going to be a tough game in the thirds. They've had a dip in form, haven't they? But, you know, they are third in the table. And up until maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, they were genuine title contenders. So they've dropped off a little bit. And I'm sure they're going to have a point to prove, aren't they? Because, you know, they're probably frustrated, really, aren't they? But you'd only have to look at the Champions League campaign that they've had and they're in the quarterfinals themselves, same as, same as Liverpool. And, We've got a massive tie coming up against Manchester City, a double a day. So, you know, they'd be interested to see if they've got one eye on that, but, you know, they've slipped down the table a little bit and, you know, they're in a situation where Man United and Arsenal and Chelsea have been down the next, aren't they, for the top four. So, you know, they can't take their eye off the ball in this Premier League game and it's still a massive game and, you know, they should be ready because they've had such a long break. So there's no excuses really. It just might be a little bit rusty, a little bit disjointed, but the same can be said for both teams, couldn't it really? So we just have to see how it plays out on Sunday. Yeah, just uh, looking at the league table, um, Tottenham are in third place on 61 points, um, 13 behind Manchester City and only one above Arsenal and three above Manchester United in fifth and also um, four points above Chelsea in sixth, so their their battle for fourth is is still pretty much still pretty much on, isn't it? So um, definitely something that we can't underestimate. But looking towards the the Liverpool side for this fixture, Jay, I know we we spoke before the podcast about um, we can't second guess Klopp and, and his sort of um, his team selections, but. Just give us your your own personal thoughts if 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 you're picking that team on Sunday. Give us your starting eleven for the for the fixture, please, Jay. Okay, so you're obviously going to go with Allison in goal, centre half pair, and I know Joe Gomez is back in training now, but you, you, I don't think you can really change it from Matip and Van Dijk because I think Matip's done quite well. To be fair to the lad, I'm not his biggest fan. I'm, quite a critic of his to be honest with you but I think he's done quite well to be fair to him so there's no reason why he should lose his place and you certainly wouldn't be putting Joe Gomez in straight away after being out for three and a half months of the season um, so you, you, that's your centre half there and 
right back, hopefully to Trent's okay to be the right back, um, left back Andy Robertson. And then it's the dilemma as we always say in it. Do you go four two three one or do you do four three three? And I quite like four two three one, I must admit, but Klopp tends to go for four three three in the big games, doesn't he? So with all that in mind, I mean for Fabinho's gotta be him and him and him and him have got to be the first two names on the team. She's in the middle of the park for me, purely and simply because you know they've been our best midfield players this season. Fabinho has been fantastic since December time. Why has been great majority of the season? Do you know what I mean? He's been very good. So um, you know, I, I just think that they're two shoe-ins to start the game. And, and we, we like to have a little bit of creativity in there, don't we? You know, like in the sense that would it be Shakiri, would it be Cater, would it be Lalana? Um, but you know as well as I do what Klopp's like. He, he likes to play Henderson or Milner in there as well, certainly in the big games. So I think it's a toss-up between one of them two. Personally, I'd probably say Milner because the way I, the reason I say Milner is the similar situation with Matter. Matter doesn't go away with Cameroon, so Matter being there at Melwood I know they, they, had a, they had a bit of time off didn't they the players but like he's been at Melwood he has been away on international duty so he's been there at the club and around the club same way as James Milner has because he, he retired from international football doesn't play for England so I, I, with all that in mind with Henderson being away with England in Montenegro on Monday night I would start James Milner in there and then basically um, the front three that we normally have with, with Salah Mane and Firmino, and uh, just hope that our superior players pull us through. But like I say, Tottenham have got some very good players as well, so it's a, it's a very difficult game. And you know, when you look back to last season, I think did we draw both games last season against them? Oh no, sorry, we lost didn't we at Wembley to them, and we and we beat and we drew at Anfield. So we only, you only got a point off them last season. Already we've better yeah. that this season by beating them at Wembley. So earlier on in the campaign. So really. Normally you would say if you're getting four points off Spurs, it's not it's not a bad tally. But because of the situation we're in, you know Liverpool have got there's, there's no two ways about it. Liverpool have got to win this game, and it's a very very tough game, very tricky game. But hopefully, you know, well, we get this, we get the three points, and they give us that confidence then going forward into the bigger games we've got. Cause we've got Chelsea on the horizon as well, which is a tough game. So, you know, in the Champions League game, so. Hopefully, you know, we'll get through it. Three points to be massive on Sunday, but, you know, it's a very difficult game in Spurs. Yeah, very difficult game indeed, and that's where we're going to head on now to um, to a difficult scoreline prediction for yourself, please, Jay. Yeah, I mean, any win will do. As I said before about the Fulham game, Liverpool didn't really play great. He didn't play great in the game, but you know it doesn't matter. We got the three points, and it's irrelevant. Whoever the opposition is, whether it's Fulham who are in the relegation zone or it's Tottenham who are in third place in the Premier League, it doesn't really matter. As long as you get the three points, when you get to this stage of the season now, when you're going for the title, it's all about getting the three points in any game. And I just think that you know it's it's going to be a, a, a tight game because Spurs do like to put a shift in. They press all over the pitch. To, you know, very good work ethic from them. Pochettino was a very good manager. You know, albeit that he hasn't won a trophy, but he's still done, he's worked wonders with that Spurs squad and that group of players because he never signed anyone, did he? In the, in the, in last summer and he never signed anyone in the January transfer window either. So he's basically worked with what he's got and I think, you know, he's done a fantastic job really and, you know, they're a good side, they're a quality outfit and, and 
it won't be easy for Liverpool on Sunday, but you know, around Anfield and you've got to trust that Liverpool will the crowd will be up for it. You know, it's a half four kick off on a Sunday, so it's no excuses at all. All the atmosphere should be great. I'm not sure whether or not there's a, a coach welcoming or not, but if there is, great. If not, you know, I'm sure it'll be electric inside the grounds. Um and there's there's certainly no excuses because we've got an act as the twelfth man. And you know, hopefully Liverpool will get the job done. So all things considered, yeah, I think it'll be a tough game. I think it'll be a tight game, but I think Liverpool will get the three points and they'll go for a, my favourite scoreline, Liverpool 2, Tottenham 1. 2-1 scoreline for yourself, Jay. Yeah, I'll, um, I've got the second part of the recording with, uh, with Mickey coming up on Thursday, so I'll uh, have a little bit of time to think about my uh, scoreline prediction and uh, it'll be added to that part of the, of the show. So, um, yeah, thanks very much, Jay, for joining us. And um, we will be back uh, next week with our, our Chelsea. Is it Chelsea? No, sorry, Southampton game, isn't it, next? Southampton game on the, on the Friday evening. So, yeah, thanks very much, everybody, for listening.
Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Sports Social Podcast Network.